today I wanted to talk to you about the continuation of what we talked about last time. Okay. In the sense that both of us have been doing new business venture type stuff. And last week we got to talk about your excellent new business. And this week I had promised that I would talk about mine. So I made good on that promise. Awesome. Do you ever uh, find yourself having a self-imposed deadline that you kind of set because you know it's going to put you into gear? Does that make sense? This episode was sort of that for me because I've been (laughs) sitting on my hands as far as getting like a website up for this thing. Uh Uh-huh. But I knew that I would need a website by today, the day of recording. So I finished it yesterday at about 7 p.m. or so. <laughs> because you knew you were going to be recording with me this morning. Yeah, I knew I needed, to, <laughs> I needed to text you it. So here is a link to the new thing that I'm doing. Maybe I should have sent it to you beforehand, but well, we're, we're here right now. That's okay. This, it, it means the listeners get to get my initial reactions on this. We'll, exactly. We'll, we'll see. Keyhouse. What Keyhouse is, is a new way for me to contextualize the consulting type work that I've been doing and really enjoying. Yeah. The kind of thought behind it comes from a Kurt Vonnegut quote that I read a few months ago. You know Kurt Vonnegut, right? I do. I found this weird essay that he wrote. And he had this little aside about the seasons. And the aside was basically something like him saying that he didn't think that we should have four seasons. He thought that the idea of there being four seasons was a lie. He thought that instead we should have six. And the season should be like this. It should be summer, fall, locking, winter, unlocking, and then spring. And his his point was that there isn't really a smooth transition between fall and winter, and winter and spring. Winter itself is this kind of crazy thing that exists that is very different from the other two seasons. And his his kind of concept is like there's there should be this whole season where the world gets locked down, and then there should be another season where the world is unlocked and opened back up. And I really liked that quote. And I, you know, like I said, I, I read it a few months ago, and then I just found myself saying it all the time to people. Like, they'd be like, oh, it's almost summer. I'd be like, have you heard that quote from Kurt Vonnegut? And I was realizing <laughs> yeah. that it must have, you know, resonated with me a little deeper. And I think it's because I realized recently, as I've been making this shift to consultation and helping people with strategy, that I, I really like what I now am going to start calling unlocking unlocking people in what they want to do nice so i'm i'm reading through your site as you're talking and i i'm seeing like what it is that you're unlocking uh and you've got three points here that you are unlocking businesses uh, unlocking ministries and nonprofits, and then unlocking ideas i think that the best way of talking about this is talking about it through sort of something that I realized about myself, which is talking through stuff and thinking through things and trying to figure out like the evolution of an idea has been really helpful to me because it's kind of helped me for the first time take ownership over creative work that I hadn't had before. When I used to work as a creative director for the nonprofit and and church that I was a part of, I always thought of myself sort of as a jack-of-all-trades. And, you know, the the ending of that phrase is a bit disparaging, right? It's jack-of-all-trades and master of none. Right. And I have always been a capable 
designer. I've always been capable at taking photos and shooting video. I've always been capable at editing. I've always been capable at making websites if I get to use the excellent crutch of Squarespace. <laughs> um, yep. But none of those things are like the thing that I want to do. And when I started doing what is essentially consulting, I realized, oh, the reason that I want to make somebody a Squarespace website the reason that I want to help somebody brand themselves, the reason that I want to help somebody develop a Instagram and Twitter social media strategy isn't because I like doing those things specifically. It's because I like helping people move from one phase to another. I like helping people achieve something that they have in their, in their mind, but they don't know how to put to paper. And so it was kind of this weird reversal where I realized that for years now, I've been selling myself as a, I don't know, as a creative who makes videos or makes websites. The, the last two major projects that I've done have been uh, the creation of a, a pretty large website for a post-production house in L.A., and then the one before that was a six-month strategy for social media for a big book launch. And I'm, I'm realizing that I do those things not because I'm a perfect expert at social media or a perfect expert at how to make a website. I do those things because I like talking with people and figuring out what they're trying to accomplish and then helping them get there. So Keyhouse is sort of a way for me to flip that and sell myself as a strategist instead of Squarespace guy. And it's actually been really profoundly helpful for me to think of myself that way and think of the work that I'm doing that way. Does that make sense? It does. And it like one of the things I'm thinking through is how like your step in the process here and that being the step that I, like I sometimes get clients that come to me and they have uh, an inkling of an idea because it sounds like you and I tend to do some somewhat similar tasks to to a certain degree because you know i'll have a phone call with somebody and, and we're working through an idea that they have and i'm helping them refine it to the point where then i can turn around and write the code to build the thing now that's a very technical level but sometimes they come to me and it's like well they have this vague idea but they don't know how it fits into the broader scheme of what their business does it's really good to know that this is something that you're interested in because i sometimes want to point people to someone to help them refine you know this inkling of an idea that they have and you know it needs to have uh, an email campaign, uh, a social media campaign. It needs to have, you know, assets created for it. And you need to refine, you know, the way that you use all of that. Maybe it needs a temporary website put together for it that you don't need me to build for you. So it, it sounds like you're trying to fit that niche of trying to, to help people develop what the broader strategy of these things are and then help them implement it to a certain degree. Have I caught what you're talking about? Yeah, definitely, definitely. And I think that for a while, I didn't really realize that that was uh, an important skill. <laughs> and, and and I mean that more in the sense of like, I felt like that was something that everybody does when they do a creative project. And I've been realizing that that's not the case, you know? Right. Sometimes you'll go to a person that and tell them that you need branding or that you need a campaign or that you need you know, some kind of video done. And what they're going to give you is what they have in their head. 
and they're going to ask you for what you have in your head. And if you don't give them the right input, they're just going to roll right on through. Right. And I've, I've found a lot of people who have felt very dissatisfied with the work that they are given at the end of the day. And then I've also found a lot of people who are the creators of the work, you know, the website developers, the video creators that feel dissatisfied with the way that the clients handle the stuff that they give them. I have a meeting at the end of the month here with an organization that does a lot of video and photo work for some big clients. And they are going to meet with me because they basically feel upset when they have a client and that client takes the amazing video that they've created and like posts it to Twitter one time yeah. and then says, how come this didn't get traction? You know, like what happened here? <laughs> and so helping them develop a strategy for like tentpole content. And, you know, I don't like the word content, but that's a decent use of it. Yep. Is an interesting thing to do. And it's something that I feel very passionate about. And this has sort of been the culmination of the last year of me having all these conversations with creatives and individuals and people with business ideas and ministries with the the church that I'm a part of here. And and my my conversations always gravitate towards the the subject of what's next and how can we help you get there. And I'm realizing that that's something that I love doing. And because I love doing it, it's something that I'm excited to sell, which is cool because I'm not a big salesperson. I don't know about you, and we maybe talk about that a little bit, but I have a very hard time selling myself and my skills. I would I would love to live in a world where I could give everything away for free, and I can't do that. Right. But even putting a price tag on stuff is kind of challenging for me. Is that hard for you, or are you pretty used to it at this point? I think I've been doing it long enough. I've gotten used to it. Um, I For a while, I was in a position where... I had too many people coming to me. This is pre-Procourse. Right. Uh, I, w- I had too many people coming to me, so I kept raising my rates to try to limit the number of people that said yes to me. <laughs> and <laughs> like, okay, that's fine. So I got used to people honestly swearing at me and calling me greedy and everything because my rates were so high. And that became a natural filter. It also desensitized me to the process of of pricing and, and getting nervous about whether or not they're going to say yes cuz I really want them to say yes like I've kind of gotten to the point where I'm like well yes or no you know I it doesn't matter to me it's up to you this is what it costs go like <laughs> that's mm-hmm. that's where I'm I'm at at the moment but it took a while to get there yeah uh, I will also say that as the owner and and main operator you are a salesman like that is just kind of the way it works uh I mean you do a lot of other stuff as well but that's kind of your key role there is selling services to, of some degree. And, you know, I personally struggle with that if I'm selling something that I don't really believe in. Like I, I did some stuff in agriculture uh, when I was first starting out of college that it had involved sales to some extent, and I was terrible at it. And the problem I had was that the products that they were asking me to talk about with farmers to try to sell – I felt like they were a hoax and not really worth the farmer's time. So I didn't sell hardly anything because of that. Like I just didn't buy uh, I didn't buy the idea behind it. With your own business, I would imagine you're in the same boat. Like okay, if you're if you're selling your own stuff, you definitely believe in it and you're certainly on board with, you know, the integrity and the the quality of what you're doing, I hope anyway. So because of that, it's a lot easier to sell it, I think. 
Uh, and I have zero problems selling like a retainer that's going to last 18 months or trying to upsell something because I feel like that would be a good add to the project. Like I don't have a problem doing that because I feel like it would benefit them significantly to be able to do that. So to me personally, I think you have to make that jump. Like you have to get from the point where you feel like you're pushing something on someone because you're not, as long as you have their best interests in mind. Personally, I don't have an issue with the sales side, but maybe that's a factor of me <laughs> being swore at a few times over my pricing strategies. I don't know. Maybe maybe that's just a factor of that. Well, and I think that you feel very, very comfortable with the idea that the thing that you're selling is the thing that you're very good at. Right. And even though I was good at making Squarespace websites, even though I was good at making videos, even though I was good at creating social media campaigns, none of those things specifically felt like the thing that I was good at. So when people would ask me for pricing, I would feel sort of weird because there was a part of me that would want to diminish the the work that I was doing and sell myself for a lower rate than other people. And there was another part of me that wanted to sell myself at the rate that I know other people do work for. But then I felt like, but I'm not, I'm not that person. I'm not in that same category, even though that might not be true. That might be completely false. But now with this sort of shift, I feel like, oh, absolutely, I want to sell this thing because I'm so excited about working with people and doing this kind of work. And I feel like it's the kind of work that I was really made to do and very, very good at. And so just that shift alone makes me feel more excited and confident when I think about pricing anything. So, I mean, I think that's a good thing. But I I, I do think that it's something that everyone kind of goes through, especially when they first start out. It might not be a bad thing, right, to raise your rates and get sworn at and build a bit of a tolerance to that kind of thing, (laughs) as opposed to always just letting the client decide whether or not you're, you're too low or too high. If you find yourself constantly having all the clients agree with your prices without a problem, that probably means you're doing something a little bit wrong right. because you got you to gotta weed some folks out. And if you don't, you're, you're, you're selling yourself too short. Exactly. Yeah, if I, don't, if I don't have at least one person every week that tells me that's too high and they try to negotiate with me, uh, then I'm, I'm too low. And personally... Because of the specific niche market that I sit in, I don't want to be middle-priced. I don't want to be low-priced. I want to be the most expensive in that marketplace, uh, which some people say is a bad place to be because you're not meeting the larger uh, buyers in that marketplace. But I'm going to take on fewer projects than I would if I was doing middle or bottom tier. And... That's fine because the scale of projects and the depth of projects is significantly more involved, Mm. which means that it warrants the prices I charge. And I like those types of projects. So I think it really depends on what what piece of the market you're after. If you want to do high volume and low cost, go for it. But I tend to appreciate the, the more involved projects. So I'm going to price it higher. It also helps that... I've got a group of guys doing stuff for me. So to me, from my stance, I'm doing a high volume of these uh, more complicated projects. So I'm doing a lot of scoping 
and a lot of idea calls and my ADD brain just loves that. <laughs> so it's like, okay, we get to bounce from this super complicated business and, and project to this one. And you know, you, you're bouncing all over the place. So personally, I love that. I would venture to say you probably do to some extent as well, which is why you're probably really good at this, uh, Drew. So I, I, I feel like you know, when it comes to the decisions around which projects to take and which clients to take, the pricing is kind of the filter and using the dollars that you're putting on a particular project, like that can help you pick those clients. At least that's been my view on it. I also have kind of set myself up some boundaries for taking people on who aren't able to contribute a lot. Yeah. I occasionally run into somebody who has a really great idea and I just want to help them with that idea. And the way that I've kind of done that is, you know, if a business comes to me, that's very, very clear. If a nonprofit or ministry comes to me, that's also clear. I'm not going to expect them to be able to have the same pay bracket, but I still want to figure out a way to help them and, you know, determine what kind of skills I can give them. But then if an individual comes to me with an idea, I think the way that I'm going to handle that is handle it more as like an application than a standard contact form. That's interesting. I'm trying my best to make it clear that this isn't like life coaching. I initially had it set up for businesses slash nonprofits slash individuals. And then I realized, ooh, individuals makes it sound like I'm going to help somebody be their best selves, yeah. which is not something that I'm super interested in. I mean, it, great. If you need that, awesome. But right. that's not what I want to do. You know, I want to help somebody that has a has an idea. I, I met somebody recently who wants to start a flower shop, but they just got out of college. You know, they don't have a lot of money. They're, they're hustling and they're making it work. And I want to help that person with some forward momentum. Another person I know, an old friend of mine, incredible cook, and he wants to open up a little pizza shop. And totally the same thing. I want to help that person do that. But I know that that's not going to be a six-month plan. That might be a very, very long time in the making. And I want to see what I can do to be helpful throughout that entire process. So in that case, I think that I want to consider that more of an application that I get to look through as opposed to a contact form that I have to give a standard business reply to immediately. And that's that's helpful to me to, to think about that and have that delineation. I think that's really interesting because, and you've probably started to know this, notice this as well because I do this quite a bit with some folks who can't afford what it is that I'm I'm proposing. Sometimes I'll, I'll just ask, like, well, are you interested in sacrificing, say, an equity stake in your company in exchange for et cetera, et cetera. Right. Or someone has an idea that of something that would be helpful in the marketplace, and I would take a percentage of the profits of that once it makes it out into the world. So, you know, from my stance, I tend to, because I'm the owner and because I uh, am in those conversations, it's really common for me to try to restructure deals in that way. I'm pretty particular about what those particular companies and individuals like they have to fit a certain criteria that I probably couldn't explain right because it's all intuition they would have to fit a certain criteria before I would even consider engaging that but it that's what it sounds like to me like you're you're considering more of an automated way to submit an application if you need this help but may not be able to afford the consulting around that uh, that's intriguing. As I had just brought up with the pizza shop thing, that was an example of that. It's a it's a friend of mine who works as a barista here in town, and I would just go to the coffee shop that he works at when it opened up at 8 a.m. on Sunday mornings, 
because he was there alone because it was 8 a.m. on a Sunday morning and no one really wanted you know, <laughs> right. to be at a coffee shop. Yep. And we would just talk and the, the talks would just progress over the, the weeks and months. As he started becoming very serious about his restaurant idea, it had been something that we had been talking about through all of those meetings. And eventually he just told me, he was like, look, man, you're like really the only person who has been affirmative about this the entire way through. Like you're the one that's really championed me questioned me, helped me think through this process. Like everyone else has kind of given me a little, oh, that'd be great, but not a lot more. And you've been asking the hard questions and making it happen. And so, yeah, he was the one that had said, I don't have a lot right now, but I would love to like make you a partner or give you a share or, yeah. you know, help, help, help in that kind of way. And I think that there are ways of doing that that would make it really beneficial for me. Uh, the city that I live in is a, is kind of a burgeoning city. There's a lot happening right now. I have told you that there is a food truck park opening up right outside my office, which is nice. Yeah. And a bunch of different little buildings. It, it seems like by 2020 or 2021, the city's actually going to be quite a bit different than it is right now, which is really cool to see. So a part of me just wants to see the city be better. So if people come to me with an idea that's local and they want and it and it fits my idea of what I want Reading to be, I want to help them with that and figure out a way that can make it agreeable for both of us, which it seems like you understand quite well. I do. I also have a lot of reservations about it. <laughs> so like I as you know, I build websites, that is it. And Everyone seems to want a website, and the the problem that I have run into is there are like friends and family that I have done some projects for that really should have a retainer in place, but because they're friends and family, and I wanted their thing to succeed, we didn't put that in place. Yeah, and over time, it gets to be like it feels like they're constantly asking for little edits here and there, which are 10 minute ordeals for me like they're tiny but they add up and it it gets to be a bit of a a drain because of that Uh, and I've expressed this with a number of them and just said okay you really got to take the reins on this like either go hire Drew and and (laughs) do this on a more regular basis or pay me a retainer or something so as much as I love trying to go help people because I have people that I go give websites away to like there are groups that they can't pay me a dime. I know that. But the thing that they are doing, I definitely believe in and I know it should exist and it really needs a website to be successful. Yeah. And I have gone and done that and handed it over. And in, in two particular cases I can think of where I've done that, they've been really good about taking it, taking ownership of it, never asking for help. I notice things once in a while and you know, proactively offer once in a while to go help in that case because they have taken ownership of it, but it can go the other way so quickly. It just can. So as much as I love to do that sort of thing, I feel like it's something I've had to learn to be extremely careful with at the same time. Totally. And I think that even that's something that I am considering and and why I'm even so happy to have kind of settled on the concept of consulting. Because consulting, I can do an hour of free consulting with somebody if I think that they need that. And that's it. You know, it's pretty open and shut. Like I can I can make some hard boundaries around that kind of thing. The other component is I'm sort of saying that what I'm doing is separated into three components, consulting, strategy, and development. And it's funny because, as I said earlier, what I've always been selling myself as is a 
I'll make you a website. I'll make you a video. I'll help you with a social campaign. And I'm realizing that that's actually the third step. And I want to focus more on the first and second. So can I do development? Yeah, absolutely. If it fits the project, if, if we have this great talk, we figure out that we have the same kind of, you know, concepts and you can pay me to make you a website. And we've, we've both agreed that you having a website would be really good for your business. Great. Let's do that. But I am not going to jump. I, I don't want you to come to me on the third step with that expectation in mind that that's what I want to do specifically is make that website for you. That's going to be the, the, the third piece that comes after the consulting that comes after we've developed a strategy, you know, what actually needs to be developed at this point. And like I said, just flipping that a little bit has helped me understand what I'm good at. And it's also helped me put some boundary boxes around stuff that has to do with development because that was the thing that I was having a hard time selling appropriately. That was the thing that I was having a hard time pricing appropriately. And knowing now that that's almost secondary to the other stuff that I'm doing uh, helps me feel more happy to say no. Does that make sense? I think so. I think I'm with you. If my bread and butter isn't making websites and building Instagram campaigns, then when somebody comes to me with a website and their budget is too low, that's fine. I'm not going to have to say yes or make that work anymore. Where in the past, I might have been more likely to say, well, yeah, this is what I do. I need to make another one. I want to add it to my you know, resume. It seems like a good project. I may still do that from time to time if it makes sense, but I'm, I'm happy to be shifting away from that a little bit and making it more of a skill. I have a friend here in town who actually has been helping me with Key House and he has this kind of poetry collective. He writes poetry, and he's been growing this Instagram account where he just posts poems, and it has like tens of thousands of followers. And he's been trying to figure out what to do with that, what he wants to do with it, what his dreams are for it, and how to involve other people in it. And so that's been something that I've been helping him with. And that's sort of a good example of it. You know, we decided, well, you just have an Instagram page, so you probably need a website. Well, you know, you you have this dream of selling books. How are we going to get you the money to create those books? How are we going to create a pre-order for those books? What are we going to do? What's the, what's the marketing campaign going to be like for those books? And the development stuff is secondary for me, and it doesn't even have to be done by me, where before... If I would have had a conversation with somebody for free and told them to make a website and then told them to go somewhere else to make the website, that would have been a problem for me because right. I wouldn't have gotten anything out of it. Dinner would be hard to come by. <laughs> exactly. But now I feel very, very happy working with strategy with people. And if the development falls on my shoulders because it makes sense, that's awesome. But if it doesn't, that's fine too. And it makes me happy to know that. Um you know, he has an excellent person that, that creates videos, and I don't want to take that person's job away. They do a great job. They do a different job than the job that I would do. Awesome. Keep on going forward. That's not a problem for me. It's not a conflict. And it just, it feels really good to settle into a role where I don't feel like I have conflicting interests anymore or a lot of competition in the same way that I used to. Do you feel like because you've been in the business of creating the videos or building the websites or putting the media together and then helping to launch it because you've done that with multiple people, you've learned what works and what doesn't in that particular industry. Like you start to see how things operate and do you feel like you've done that? And then that has led to the build of Keyhouse, and because of the expertise you've gained there, you're now enabled to do the consulting side of it? 
Totally. Yeah. Working at the organization that I was a part of, the underground, it was sort of a startup incubator for nonprofits. And so I had at any time dozens of clients that were all trying to figure out how to make their nonprofit idea work. And I was the creative director, so I would make them videos, I would make them websites, I would make them logos. And I would watch all of these organizations that were in a very startup phase rise and thrive or fail. And I started to understand the patterns there and what works. And as somebody who just loves the internet and technology and feels very much like a digital native, I know what works on Facebook and Instagram and Twitter and what doesn't. Because if it doesn't work, I don't look at it. And if it does work, I look at it and I stay up to date on the algorithms and how Facebook prioritizes certain content over other content, which again, great use of the word content when it's related to the word Facebook. (laughs) (laughs) Um, And so because of all of that, yeah, I know how to do that. And it doesn't really matter what field you're in. The sort of strategy that I always take is to just figure out what your demographic is. And if we can figure out what your demographic is, then we can go from there quite easily because... Everybody is looking at the same internet while also looking at a different sphere of the internet. So trying to figure out both of those things is a big part of making a business successful. So yeah, it's it's really it's really great. I think that I have a, a good sense of insight on this kind of stuff and I'm I'm happy to do it. And it's something that I, I enjoy doing. I like working with people when they're rebranding. I like working with people when they're moving from phase A to phase B. I love working with people when they're starting from scratch and have nothing to show for it. Like, that's all really interesting to me, and it's stuff that I know how to handle pretty well. Well, if you run across somebody that needs a complicated website. Yes, exactly, (laughs) which I don't want to do. Like, I think that's a great thing, you know. I want to figure out my part in the ecosystem and then help all the people that I know that also have creative work. Right. You are a great example of that. I do not want to be building those kinds of sites for people. I have no interest in doing it. But I do know that I come across people and I say, hmm, they might need that. Or, oh, yeah, I think that's what you're trying to build and you have no idea that that's what you're trying to build yet. So that's that's excellent. And so when somebody comes across, when, when someone... Uh, comes to me and they have an idea for a complicated website, I don't have to feel like I'm going to have to slap it together. I am totally happy to refer them to you or anything else. If it has to do with video or social or photos or design, like I'm really happy to kind of settle into a part of the ecosystem that feels like it's my own and then figure out where that fits with everyone else that I know and the work that they're doing. Right. I feel like part of running your own business at this like in this way where you come in and you've got your piece of the the broader puzzle that's that's being built for a specific individual or a company you really got to have like a list of the people that you refer because everyone asks those questions like it, it's uncanny the number of times that I I'm trying to scope a a project for a website but they need assets for it they need the design elements for it they need a a new brand or a new logo uh, put together for it. Like, okay, well, go talk to this person. They're one of the better graphic designers I've worked with. You know, this is this is who you need help with that. Oh, you need help putting together your social media campaign around this. Here, go talk to this person. And, you know, you, you need help setting up your server so that I can do work on that server. Here, go talk to this guy. So it, it seems like you got to know who the other pieces of the puzzle are or who could be the other piece of that bigger puzzle. I assume you figured this out. It sounds like that's what you're talking about, but you really have to 
nail down like this is where I thrive. And in order for me to thrive, people are going to want to know how it connects to the other individuals or companies that they're doing business with. And you kind of have to understand that as well, which is kind of an interesting, <laughs> it's an interesting dynamic. Yeah, it is. And it's something that I think I'm, I'm learning more and more about as, as every day that goes by. The thing that I've sort of fallen into in the last year is social strategy, which is basically helping people develop organic social growth over time, because that's hard for people. They're not very good at it. And most companies that do social media will just build a deck of image types, create some weird inspiratory graphics, and post them three times daily and charge a lot of money for it. And then the client says, why do I not see any return for this? Why is every one of these posts getting two likes instead of, you know, growing on top of itself? And so I've helped people develop real strategy where they see month after month growth on Twitter or YouTube or Facebook. And that was sort of a piece that helped unlock me, was saying, oh, this is actually a lacking feature of the creative community, is actually developing good strategy. There are people out there that are happy to build a social media campaign. There are people out there that are happy to make an incredible, beautiful video. There are people out there that are ready to make a very complex, very incredible website. But there's not a lot of people that are happy to hold the client's hand and figure out how to implement that all in a way that really works for them. And holistically, like, let's combine all of those pieces together to make one big good thing. And that's like the thing that I love to do. So it's been helpful to understand that about myself and find that that's a role that doesn't necessarily exist for a lot of creative organizations. Do you do this process to yourself? Like you, you obviously know this space, and like, do you have your own social media channels and such that you, I guess, promote and try to grow to help Keyhouse itself? Up until this point, no. Before, <laughs> actually, yeah. yes. Let's see, I have my phone right here. My Instagram, which was kind of the primary space that I actually like contributed to, has uh, 5,500 followers. And I was able to grow that from the hundreds to the thousands over the course of about a year and a half when I like put my mind to it. But if you go on my Instagram now, you will see that I have, I still have it up, so I'll take another look, three, six, nine, 12 photos. I have 12 photos on my Instagram. So I went through all the photos that I had, I archived them, and I made a nice little portfolio page. But obviously, that number has not grown since I have stopped posting to Instagram. So if I wanted to show my skills, I should probably start developing that again. Yeah, I have to ask that <laughs> that type of question because, like, okay, I'm in web development. So obviously I should be building my own website. You know, that is, like, front and center. That's where people go first. And because this is what we do, it really needs to be, you know, top-notch. And I don't know if it's there or not. Like, I, I feel like there's – it's pretty good, but – all right. So like I, that's why I ask cuz this is basically the portfolio that, you know, a lot of people are going to judge you by to decide whether or not they want to do business with you. So, you know, it, whenever I onboard a new client, like I want them to be so impressed with the process of getting estimates and seeing invoices and seeing how that works that that is an encouragement to them that they made the right decision. So like I have to spend time 
making sure that my invoicing process is top-notch because I'm judged based on how that process operates. So this is why I'm asking because obviously you have all of these channels and you're talking about helping other people to improve those so that their businesses can grow through those transitions. So I would only expect that people would start to judge you by the same standards. Yeah, and as of right now, there are no social media channels for Keyhouse or anything being developed for it specifically. Right. But there probably should be soon, and I have some ideas about how to do that well, and I'm I'm excited about seeing that through. Well, I wish you all the best with Keyhouse. Yeah. It, it sounds like a really cool endeavor. I know that I run across people, not regularly, but often enough that are in the middle of transitions, and I can't help them on that. Uh, I can point them to areas I think are, are helpful, but I do not have the experience doing that as you do. So I know where I'll be pointing people. And I'd like to know a little bit more about how Procourse is doing. How has it been in the last few weeks? I am desperately trying to keep up with it. <laughs> I have currently 20, 26 projects in motion right now across 18 clients. So there is no way I would have been able to do that on just me like that that would be down to like three clients and maybe six projects at one time Mm. so that has been quite the shift so it's growing which is good and the pace at which i am doing things has increased i am learning that i continue to love the ideation process with clients and it's kind of nuts to me the names that come across my email anymore it's like wait who is that again? Real yeah. like the <laughs> Okay, fill in the blank. That sort of like okay. Yeah, it's it's been kind of fun to see that. Uh you know, the size of clients growing, which means the scale of projects continues to grow. And a lot of times I'm starting to hit points where like, okay, I've never done that before. I'll say yes and run <laughs> and learn yeah. it as we go. Right. So that's it's kind of typical in that process. So I've I've been uh, grateful that it's continued to grow, but I'm still pretty excited about it taking off. But it's definitely uh, still a learning process for sure. That's interesting that you have kind of figured out the scale component of it a bit more than you were when you were doing it by yourself. How has it been working with people? I have to spell things out a lot more than typical than I would have for myself, which honestly is a very good thing because it means that I scope the projects more accurately. Uh, so it's been, you know, I've had one case where it's been a bit dicey because I underestimated the the scale of the project and that put a lot of pressure on the developer who was building it. And like, that was totally my fault. And that was kind of my first real experience with, I think I just screwed this guy's weekend up. Like I, I totally do. <laughs> And like, okay, well, I feel pretty terrible about that. And like, well, as someone who employs someone else, what do you do about that? Like, these are questions I've never had to consider before. So I spend more time thinking about how to make things easy for them. How do I go about, you know, writing this stuff out? How do I go about you know, collecting all of the resources for them. How do I make sure I've got notes collected on the project, you know, at the right level so that they can continue to do their work and enjoy it? Like, those are all pieces that I find myself thinking about way more than I ever did before, which I suppose is a an indicator of the transition. But 
it's it's definitely different. <laughs> it has changed what I think about it on a regular basis significantly. I remember a long time ago you said that something along the lines of sometimes if somebody asks you, do you know how to do X, you say yes, and then you go and figure out how to do X. Right. Which does not work quite the same when they say, does your team know how to do X? You say yes, and then the team has to go figure out how to do X. <laughs> um, yeah. <laughs> so I'm assuming that there's a bit of a transition in the way that you can say yes to things when you are relying on other people's skills the way that you are now. Yeah, to an extent. Like, I just did that two days ago. Someone came to me and said, hey, can you build XYZ? Like, I've never done that. I'm pretty sure no one on my team has ever done that. So, like, okay, yeah, we can pull that off. Yeah, we can do that. So we accepted the project. You know, they accepted the estimate, paid the invoice within about six hours, and they, we were off to the races. And, like, well, in that particular case, I personally take that project because no one else on my team has learned how to do it. I personally take it. Right. And once I've been through it, I make sure that if it's new to all of us, I'm detailing out how it works. Again, this is part of that process of thinking about, you know, how do I make this easier for my team? Because I know things are better off for all of us if we can collectively just create this ever-growing repository of how to accomplish certain tasks and certain things. So if it's something none of us have done, I usually take it and work out some of the difficult kinks and stuff in the process and relay that to them so that way they know how to do it as well, which means the next time it comes around, it's still new to them, but I've blazed the path on it so that I can help them through it. Like I'm definitely a coach in that process. So I still say yes to things we don't know how to do. <laughs> do you like doing that coaching type of work? Oddly enough, yes. It's kind of surprised me. I have learned that I've got, this is, you know, this doesn't even involve development really, but I have this weird side passion for helping, I guess, high school students and college students figuring out what to do from a career stance and how to be successful in that. Yeah. So because of that... I find that it translates to people that are doing development work for me as well, because in a lot of cases, they're using me as a stable income, and then they've got a 10 or 15 hour a week side gig that they're working on. I'm the stable side, and then they go play when they're not doing things for, for pro course. And for whatever reason, I love doing that. I love helping them mm. through that. So it's kind of a cool relationship that's kind of grown because of it. Where have you found people like that? <laughs> I don't really know. <laughs> and I've told a few people this. It seems like this is a new breed of employee that's been developing. Like people don't want, don't necessarily want a full-time 40-hour-a-week obligation. They would rather find a 25 or 30-hour-a-week obligation that they can live off of. Not super well, but it pays all the bills. And then they spend the remaining 10 or 15 hours a week doing whatever they want. Like, I'm starting to see that happen more and more. And I just kind of fell into it because I didn't know if I could afford to pay someone a full 40 hours and just asked for 10 or 15 hours a week to start. And it kind of grew into that. Uh, so it's it mostly started off with me just finding people who work in my space who are good at it who want a little bit of stable income while they go off and take projects of their own so 
it, it kind of just morphed into that. I, I can't really say that I have a certain place I go to find these people. I'm mostly just trying to find freelancers that I see in the industry that I like what they do and, and going from there. But there's not a single <laughs> go to zip recruiter, like nothing like that at all. <laughs> I am interested in how Keyhouse will evolve. There's already a few kind of side roles that I think people will be filling pretty quickly. Yeah. And then a couple of kind of internal projects that could be worthwhile would definitely need some also would also need some external help. When I talk about doing strategy, a lot of that is like helping people understand their own analytics. And I think that I will probably need somebody that loves spreadsheets. And that person is not me. And I know <laughs> that I need somebody who is <laughs> spreadsheet inclined yeah. to keep all of that stuff straight. Even trying to look back on some of my past work, I was like, oh, I mean, Joe, you know my desktop. My desktop is only clean recently because... Don't bring this up again. <laughs> it's only clean recently because I have a, a like scorched earth setting in Hazel that <laughs> that you, you would not approve of, and we'll, we'll talk about that later. But, but my desktop is clean, but I never know where anything is. I'm like always trying to figure out where old files are and stuff. So that is not great when someone says, hey, how would we do in the month of February in this sphere? So I need somebody to help me uh, straighten that kind of stuff up. And if I have a few people who all need that kind of work, I'm going to bring somebody else on full-time to do that for me. So uh, there's there's some roles that definitely could use some love, and I'm I'm kind of excited to see which of those roles I need to fill first and how that's going to work out for me. 